This is the Real Digital Transformation podcast series, empowering technology and business professionals to succeed with digital transformation. Now, here's your host, best-selling author, Thomas Earle. One part of the book that I also found very interesting was how you addressed not just the importance of AI and ML and data science to the average business today, but also how it's now becoming, has become a common part of what cloud providers offer in their marketplaces and how clouds offer a natural environment for the type of storage and data processing that these type of systems need to do. Um, can you share with us some of your experiences with clients, implementations you've seen, or some that may be planned that are utilizing this? And what's your opinion about the current state of that in uh, with what cloud providers currently offer and where it's going? Yeah, uh, I'll kind of answer those backwards. I mean, um, the cloud providers have their own native offerings that they offer in the state, and those are well known on the on the different hyperscalers that are there. And they also provide a marketplace where we're seeing the same AI providers that are operating across clouds. Obviously, I like the cross cloud solutions better than the ones that are native because we're able to do more with them, able to operate them across different cloud providers. I can implement a knowledge engine across different cloud providers. For example, if I use an AI provider that's able to leverage across cloud services. The, the, the cloud providers are going to make out like bandits on this. Um, and I wrote about this and it's no, no, no news because uh, number one, they win either way because they provide the AI capabilities and you have to pay to use those services, which people will pay because it's a lot cheaper than running them on premise. Believe me, I've done both. And even some of the marketplace services, where there's a huge amount of data storage and huge amounts of CPU horsepower that has to go into running these things moving forward. So um, that market's going to evolve fairly quickly because I think the cloud providers are seeing this now, that that's a huge win-win for them, no matter where this stuff goes. And so people are going to consume storage and compute and certainly AI cycles and suddenly GPUs and TPUs rental on the cloud providers are just going to go way up. And I, mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a great thing moving forward. That's where the state-of-the-art cloud stuff exists. Um, certainly the generative AI stuff, it was originated and kind of grew on the cloud. So it's not an on-premise system anymore. It all lives out there. Uh, people are going to provide these capabilities. It's just kind of confusing where the services are and how to leverage them. I think that's the biggest thing right now. We know how to use a chatbot and talk to chat GTP and have it write, you know, have it write uh, apology letters for us and things like that. Now it's all well and good. But your ability to kind of put this into, you know, some sort of a business state where it's able to make money is a different thing entirely. And I think that's where the confusion is right now. And so the cloud providers are doing a good job in selling this stuff because they do see the win-win. I think as consumers of the technology, we have to understand its viability and its correct application. Right now, I think the biggest fear I have with AI is misapplication of it and therefore making applications that should you know, cost $2 million to develop, $10 million to develop because we AI, AI enabled it. And now it costs uh, twice as much to run and it costs three four times, five times as much to build. And there is no business value that comes out of it. And that's the big thing moving forward. We have a tendency to overemphasize the value of AI. Maybe that's from, you know, uh, 2001, a space odyssey or, or whatever. But, um, you know, the how the how uh, factor, I call it. But these things need to have a pragmatic role in our particular applications. And that typically 
is going to be something a little less than what we need to expect from them. So they're going to automate supply chain applications, make decisions about, um, you know, uh, risk analytics in terms of making investments, in terms of banking systems, and these things that we've been leveraging AI systems for for years. Now, they have gotten better, and certainly the generative AI technology is is impressive. But my concern is overemphasis of the technology and selling it into the space where it has a tendency not to have as much value. And that's kind of mm-hmm. blasphemy with, you know, the people who are, you know, all in with AI, and I think that's great. Um, you know, I've been a, I was an AI programmer. It's my first job out of college, a Lisp and M1. Um, so if we're going to leverage this technology effectively, it has to have a good business case. And that has to be led by the cloud providers moving forward to, the, to get the original uh, thing spirit of your question. So if they're going to leverage and sell this technology, it has to have deep and easy integrations into other application development technology moving forward and also define what the use cases are and how they need to be leveraged. Right now, I think people know that it's cool, uh, know that it's impressive, but don't know what to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, other than the chat GTP stuff that people are, you know, are, are writing yourself on the Dolly stuff. I think it's going to automate a lot of uh, information-oriented jobs, and that was coming up. That's We've been dealing with that for the last 200 years. Automation always shows up and displaces human beings. We just find more interesting and better things to do. And I think that's going to be a factor moving forward. We have to deal with the ethics of that. But moving forward, I think what we're going to see uh, in the next two or three years is going to be misplacement of this technology and using it in ways that it really was never designed to do that. And it's, uh, but we've, we do that as a, as a technology group, by the, as IT. In IT, I view it as, you know, a child's soccer match. They, they have no strategy. They kick the ball in one direction. Everybody runs in that direction. <laughs> and so, you know, back in our day, it was everybody ran to client server. Everybody ran to distributed objects. Everybody ran to service-oriented architecture. Um, and some of these things have value. Some of them don't. And everybody ran to cloud. And now everybody's running to AI, even though that technology has been around since the 50s. And the concern there was there has to be some pragmatic use and understanding of how this technology fits. And so cloud is going to be the only way to consume AI. In fact, you know, I, I, um, cloud kind of drives me crazy because it is computing. We don't run on other platforms as much anymore. You know, nine times out of 10, we're running things in the cloud. That's where the innovation is occurring. So whether you like it or not, you're going to end up in the cloud because that's where the money's being spent. You know, people are um, building a marketplace there. But the ability to kind of look at this and use them in viable and scalable ways is going to be the big thing that we're looking to solve. And I think that's going to be something that uh, we're going to have to think more about uh, moving forward. Right now, I just see misapplication of the technology right and left. Hey, we're using this thing to you know, build a sales order transaction system. Well, why? There's no reason for doing that. I mean, if you're doing credit checks as part of that, but that's another system that you're building that's that should be aligned to that system that should not be embedded in that system. As a good architect, we want to put those things off into reusable domains. That's what service-oriented architecture was all about. So um, it may end up costing us more money in the long run with a lot of the mistakes that are being made. That's the largest concern. It's going to revolutionize a lot of businesses. People are going to leverage it in very innovative and unique ways. I think that's coming, but that's been happening around the AI space for years. Uh, I think the more we're going to see more mistakes and successes uh, in the market going forward. I'm sorry, I'm more of a pragmatist there. I think a lot of the AI people would, would disagree with me, but I've been in this space a long time where I've seen adoption of new technology that's done so in weird and odd ways where it doesn't have the value. And just we just end up course correcting, you know, down down the path. Fortunately, where that's going to course correct after spending, misspending 
billions of dollars, but that's kind of what we do in IT. <laughs> well, but the fact that AI systems, the, A, the, the, the data science environment that comprises an AI system in terms of processing, um, compute logic, data storage, the fact that that's now somewhat being commoditized via cloud provider offerings, um, it can support business cases because it's more accessible, perhaps more economical, more easily uh, something that can be adopted because the cloud provider serves it all up and says, here it is, go for it. Um, so uh, on one hand, it can be, it can support a business case, but on the other hand, it is resulting in exactly what you just described, which is um, it, it, it's too easy for organizations just to jump in now and make mistakes with it, invest in something they may not need, uh, impose um, changes on their systems that customers may not want, and then um, have to backpedal at some point uh, to to rectify that. So it it's really just understanding the nature of AI separately from the fact that it's available via a cloud marketplace and properly positioning that within your business, within your IT enterprise and your ecosystem, seeing where it's absolutely necessary and not, and then proceeding based on making those you know, educated decision points. But the fact that it is now so readily accessible via cloud environments, I guess, makes organizations a bit more trigger happy in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's the flavor of the month. You know, that's, it's so... And obviously, cloud's always going to be systemic to all this, but we've we've kind of moved through, seen this movie before. You know, certainly the rise of SOA, and you lived through that, and uh, the rise of client server, and all these other things I just discussed. Um, what's you, what's unique about AI is that it's been around conceptually and as a technology for a long time, conceptually since the '50s. It predates me, and I'm 60 years old. Um, <laughs> And uh, but as far as the technology goes, it's been kind of in and out. We've gotten and fell in love with it. Certainly, we did that in the '80s when it first came out. I worked in that space uh, for a time, and then we pushed it off. Figured it out didn't have the value moving forward. Kind of trickled back in uh, through um, the rise and commoditization of the service. And then when the when cloud came forward, it finally made it accessible and economically viable for people to leverage the technology in proper ways. And I think it's been growing in popularity for good reasons. I just think we have a tendency to overconsume and misunderstand the proper use of the technology. So what I would say to the cloud leaders out there is just make sure we're quelling, um, not necessarily excitement around it, but we're looking at the applications, how it's going to be leveraged. Because I think in many instances, uh, it's misapplied. And very much I see people spending way more money on these applications they need to spend and then getting to an under-optimized state, which is going to hurt the business. And you, you notice I wrote in the book, everything was about returning business value. And if we're not able to do that using the technology, then it's not going to occur. I understand the innovation advantage of it and the ability to kind of do some cool stuff, but sometimes there's cool stuff that's going to provide value back to the business. Lots of things AI systems can do to make that happen. Um, you know, supply chain optimization, you know, is a, one of the things that comes to mind, healthcare diagnostics. Those are amazing technologies that are going to save lives and, uh, and provide us with some better optimization moving forward. But in many instances, we don't have enough architects out there and people who understand the technology, its viability, and can look at a particular problem 
and look at how this technology applies. People are making emotional decisions and moving this forward. And I'm seeing many instances where people are calling up and they're saying, yeah, we're going to uh, start building AI applications. And I'm like, what, what are you going to, what, what application are you going to build? How, do, how can you know you're going to leverage AI? It used to be the old days when people said we're going to build AWS uh, we're going to uh, have an AWS cloud project. How do you know that's the right cloud? How do you know AI is proper for those applications? Have you done any analysis and thinking for it? So it's just kind of an amateur night with many instances and people thinking about it. But, you know, I've kind of, uh, you know, stopped wagging my finger years ago. You know, people are going to do what they're going to do. I just hope they seek out the right advice and uh, make sure they understand the value that this technology can bring. It's hugely innovative, hugely game-changing, but only if you apply it in the right space, or else it's going to be hugely uh, cash burning and hugely failing, and could take your business down. I I, I fully agree. I I'm just curious because you're so in touch with where cloud computing technology is evolving toward. Um, beyond cloud providers offering vanilla AI um, environments that their cloud consumer clients can then just use as they see fit. Do you see any progress with regards to cloud providers building AI functionality, AI autonomous decision logic into their own um, on-demand provisioning, rapid provisioning, their own automation systems? Are you seeing any interesting innovation in that regard? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Uh, not as much as I'd like to see. You know, I do see... Uh, auto provisioning systems and uh, auto scaling systems, auto balancing systems, you know, that are leveraging aspects of AI used to be just round robbing mechanisms that we leveraging. We're still doing those today, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I would love them to see AI if you're to leverage heuristics and, uh, you know, uh, telemetry and analytics that comes off these systems so they can make the right decisions as to allocating those environments. I mean, the problem with that is it's going to take control out of the cloud users. They want to allocate a server other than the serverless stuff and hold on to it for as, until they release it. And that server is configured with their technology and they way want things like that. Um, we should have AI capabilities to size those things up because nine times out of 10, they're oversized. And nine times out of 10, they leave them running forever and they have to pay the bills on these things. I see it all the time. So I would like to see AI kind of layer into the FinOps stuff and the FinOps become more operationally focused. So in other words, if I'm having a FinOps system, we're able to manage the finance and the cost of this particular environment, even do so on a cross-cloud system, it would be great to leverage AI capabilities to size the system specifically based on the profile of the application, the behavior of the application. No reason that FinOps system couldn't run... Uh, an application in a sandbox to look at the amount of memory that it's requesting, database I.O. that it's requesting, network bandwidth that it's requesting, then automatically size an instance that's perfectly sized for that particular application, which is going to be something that's near 100% efficient. It's never going to be 100% efficient. It's near 100% efficient. Right now, people are just thinking through those things, you know, on their own and not necessarily making the right decisions. But the cloud providers are going to leverage this technology to sell the technology. And people are going to want these capabilities. I'm sure we're going to see this at the next reInvent. Huge amounts of AI capabilities that are built into resource allocation, built into database management. Certainly the serverless stuff is a step in the right direction. Those are kind of auto-scaling and auto-descaling. So you're normally not going to leverage more resources than you need. Okay, leverage service where you're able to make serverless decisions around AI capabilities. I may even have some of that in there today. I haven't heard about it yet, but... It could be, 
that's going to be advanced and uh, really kind of go down to the user. But I would like to make this stuff really just kind of brain dead simple for people who are leveraging infrastructure. Because what drives me nuts is they put the control into the hands of the cloud users and they're making misconfigurations and allocating too many resources and not enough resources and the systems are failing, all those sorts of things, where it's fairly easy to put an automation layer around that to kind of protect them from making those mistakes, at least initially moving forward. A lot of that stuff is getting better, you know, formation systems and the ability to deal with cluster management systems and auto scaling systems, you know, a part of that. But there's still not enough um, automation capabilities in there that I really would like to see uh, that I think the cloud providers can provide. And so they can certainly look to the AI capabilities to make that happen. Like I said, mm -hmm. I think next reInvent, we're going to see a lot of um, uh, multi-cloud announcements from the different cloud providers where they're able to provide cross-cloud services where they didn't do that in the past. And we're going to see automation that's occurring with some of the AI-powered systems that they didn't do in the past. And that should be a step in the right direction. Um, you have to look as to what costs them money and what doesn't and investments being made. So you may end up, they may end up spending, um, you know, $200 million on these systems where they may end up losing them money because it's able to run them in a more efficient state. So people aren't making as many costly mistakes and therefore uh, not get, not making as much revenue. So holding them to the ethical standard that they're going to build those sorts of things and, and do the step in the right direction. And also put in the minds of the people who are consuming cloud, ask for this stuff. You know, hey, well, how come you guys aren't dealing with this? I don't want to sit down and allocate this stuff based on a, a changing application moving forward. Why don't you look at the behavior and the characteristics of my application and then auto-provision the resources I need to make it happen? Well, they, okay, well, they say that's serverless, but I need to have this with all my other thousands of lifted and shifted applications that aren't enabled for serverless systems. How do you do it in those instances? And in growing data and growing applications, how do I align my spending directly with my growth of those systems? And how do I hook this into my financial uh, management system, my FinOps system, to make sure I don't go over budget or start doing dumb things? How do I make sure I'm not adding additional security risk? And all those things can be automated using AI and other capabilities. I just see the cloud providers needing to do that on behalf of the users, not the users doing that on behalf of the cloud providers. So mm -hmm. it's a good point. And it's a really interesting convergence that we're witnessing right now based on what you documented with the advent of the uh, the MetaCloud model and the advent of increased AI enhancements within cloud provider environments, how that may converge into smart meta models, smart meta abstraction layers, and then whether you want to put the trust of that intelligence in a cloud provider or perhaps have that also abstracted to maintain some neutrality in terms of the algorithms and so on. Um, do you, what, I know some of these are predictions based on where things, where you've seen things go in the past, where you see things now and where you see things going from a common sense perspective. But, and this is the last question, David, I promise. Uh, <laughs> The, the reality of where things evolve to um, doesn't always follow the path of common sense. And there are other influences, competitive markets and whatever, whatever the influences may be. The rea are there realities at play that you could see, whether it's delaying or inhibiting this type of uh, progress that that we need in the industry, uh, or 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 not? Do you do you see do you see a relatively clear path for this? Give me an example. Well, if 
if we're working toward an, a model where we're abstracting away from cloud provider dependence and we we've seen historically cloud providers the 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 mega super cloud providers grow to such an extent that they dominate the market the the common sense to me is abstracting away from that for the benefit of the business but i see resistance to that from cloud providers cuz then they lose the ability it 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 forces them into a more competitive type of market especially if we get to a point some point in the future where ai logic can determine the best place for even the most you know uh minute uh resource to be deployed here or there and for billing to occur from here or from there so that to me is a common sense model but are there realities that may prevent that from happening just yeah yeah great question i think that um the writing's on the wall uh for the providers they have to go the way of the market they don't make the market into themselves they're still not that big uh and if they do consider themselves that big with the market has a tendency to normalize they'll end up losing share uh, moving forward so they have to live up to market expectation that those expectations are to work and play well with these meta cloud layers then that's what they're going to have to live up to number one there may be a certain there they have to provide interfaces of these various systems if they're changing those interfaces just to screw up those meta cloud layers um then that's going to not bode well from them in the market moving forward people will see that rather quick and vote with their dollars in the clouds great you can just click away you can be Un, un, uh, move off a cloud in a very short period of time. Um, so I don't see that coming up, but I do see the reality is that everybody's in it for their own selfish reasons. And you kind of have to consider that. And that's not a bad thing. I think, you know, if you work for a company, you're there to live up to, to uh, basically maximize the uh, value of the company through revenue changes and things like that. So they're going to move in a direction that's not necessarily in the best interest of their users in many, many instances. It's going to be in the best interest of them. So mm-hmm. if we are moving into a meta cloud model, you can guarantee someone's going to figure out a way to make money off of that in a certain way or maybe have certain services that uh, don't have interfaces to them, have to be used, used using whatever native interfaces, and that's the only way to get at the value of the service. It better be a, a very compelling service because – People will vote not to use that service if they put those capabilities in them. But they're looking at, again, their viability in the marketplace, their ability to make money, not necessarily um, the, the, the value that it brings back to the users. And that's not the way companies think. And again, it's not a, it's not a problem with that. So you always have to think about that. Uh, I do see standards kind of rising. We don't see it as much as we did in the past, but rising up um, and then the vendors adhering to these standards, which kind of freezes the market because everybody waits for these standards to emerge and they never do. Mm-hmm. So if they go, well, we have a meta cloud standard, we're going to work with all the cloud providers to create a meta cloud standard is what a meta cloud needs to be. And everybody's going to build different components of that. And we think it's going to be the ultimate uh, way of making it happen. And here's a paper that we just wrote that's going to explain how this happens. Everything's genius. And they wait for the standard to emerge. It never does because they end up infighting because they're at different ends, because they're trying to get different value points moving forward. We saw this with lots of standards organizations in the past where people were turning tables over, you know, in the meetings. Um, That can be a problem. And I think some of that's going to emerge moving forward. I haven't seen it happen yet, and people are a little bit more skeptical than they were 10 years ago, but you are going to see aspects of that moving forward. Fortunately, I don't think there's a single market maker that's really can dictate the market. 
Um, we have, uh, you know, several people that are very strong players and certainly determine where the market's going. And they're running conferences with hundreds of thousands of people that go to them and things like that. But they're still going to have to live up to the larger market moving forward. What I do see is um, proprietary things start to merge back into our environment. So um, open systems, you know, obviously free and open source and things like that. But I, the value of open systems is they typically won't change to their own desires change. They're going to live up to the needs of the community, not necessarily of the needs of a particular company. But I do see proprietary mm -hmm. things start sneaking up. We're going to see things in industry cloud-based things where it's a proprietary schema that you, only they can leverage. They have a copyright on it. So it's going to be difficult for people to derive instances off of those schemas to change it for their own particular custom needs. Same with the applications in there, things like that. So many instances, people are going to build systems off of using these services that exist on industry-specific clouds or software clouds or things that exist within public cloud providers, and they're not allowed to take them off in their own their own directions. They're going to be limited by user agreements, proprietary technology of not providing those capabilities. And we thought that, saw that, you know, it, it happens, it happened in the past, it's going to happen now. We saw that with the, you know, as people were building um, enterprise systems, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not going to name any names, but they were proprietary and people had to live up to the needs of that system. They had to build around that thing as a platform. I think that a lot of market makers are going to start to emerge, whether it's around industry civic stuff or other things are going to start you know, playing that same game. In other words, we have a solution. We view this as the most valuable solution. You have to live up to our rules and regulations. If you want to leverage this solution, companies have a tendency to kind of change that, chase that if they view it as the path of least resistance and that ends up costing more money because they can't make change of the system moving forward. So moving away from open standards, extensible standards, things that can't be changed, proprietary technology, getting into user agreements that, you know, quite frankly, are confusing, and then paying more money for the solutions than we should pay. So that's the pragmatic downside of a lot of this stuff. But I don't think it's anything new. I think it's the same yeah. stuff we've been dealing with for years, and we can just kind of look out for it, look at the, look at the evils of the past, and just kind of make sure we don't start digging the same holes again. But I'm mm -hmm. always looking out for those sorts of things moving forward. Maybe I'm a glasses half empty kind of a kind of a person, but uh, we have a tendency to revisit that stuff in the marketplace. We just have to be diligent in making sure we don't fall in the same traps. Well, very well said. I I couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, I it'll be really interesting to see, uh, David. I want to. Thank you so much for you providing so much time for us today to delve into these topics. I know you're super busy and this book, I have no doubt, will become um, a must read for any organization and a Bible of sorts for those who really want to chart a path of business value with cloud computing uh, because th there's such a broad range of insights here that uh, it, it, I don't see uh, an industry or a type of business to which this would not apply. So uh, this was much, much needed in the industry. Um, I think there'll be a great sense of relief that it's out there. And um, we hope you write another book like this really soon. Yeah, we're talking about that. We'll see. We'll see if I have another one in me. I didn't think I'd write any more books. I'm glad I wrote this one. Thanks to you. <laughs> David, thank you so much. Uh, the book is an insider's guide to cloud computing. It's been a top-selling book on Amazon now and was just recently released. I highly recommend you pick it up. And David, thank you again. Thank you very much, Thomas. 
Thank you for listening. Follow Thomas on LinkedIn 